0: One and only Barry Cofield, 10-year NFL vet playing here in New York and down in Washington, primarily. Barry, it's Andrew and Brian. Good to have you back on the show. How are you, man?
2: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Brian didn't remember just uh, how deep and cool your voice was (laughs) from our first conversation. I had to remind him this morning.
2: Yeah, what's up, dog? (laughs) It's a little extra deep. (laughs) It's early morning. No joke.
1: I blame our producer waking your ass up this early. You should have told him no, man. Well, no, and, the, the and
0: the real pros move, and I'm not saying either one of us did this, but what you do if you have to work early on a Monday is you party all Sunday and then stay up all night and come in. It's still like it's Sunday, like it's late on Sunday as opposed to early on Monday, <laughs> and then you sound wide awake. <laughs> That's what you do, guess, Barry.
2: It depends what kind of partying you're doing, I guess. If you're if you're screaming in the club all night, then your voice could be even... Even worse, songs. Who's i tried that before; it didn't work. For me. <laughs> you,
1: you tried to screaming in the club, all that. What were you screaming about? Just singing along with the songs or something? Nah, man. You just any communication in the club is a shout. You don't even realize. Oh, that's true. That is true. What? <laughs> what? 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 What kind of dream?
2: What? Exactly. That's Especially why you when have. That, when that Justin Bieber comes on, I'm <laughs> screaming anyway. So.
1: You screaming in, in, in disappointment, right?
2: <laughs> oh, man. Thanks for trying to help me
1: out. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, Justin found Jesus, so I don't know if you he'll be screaming <laughs> the Holy Ghost, all that uh, if we believe those yeah, reports. Screaming for a witness. And speaking of screaming, we, we were screaming laughing uh, about the story that uh, Ben McAdoo, the head coach of the Giants, uh, told about Frazier the Lion. Do uh, you, you recall any funny motivational speeches you received during your 10-year your NFL career?
2: Oh man. You know, one of one of my it, it was kinda of funny in hindsight. One of my favorite ones ever was, was a Justin Tuck halftime speech <laughs> that he gave. We were uh we were down against the, the Jacksonville Jaguars uh at home. A game we were expected to win. And uh, you know, he was screaming had a ton of affinities at uh in reference that they were uh not only questioning our manhood as football players, but you know, they, they had plans on, you know, invading our homes and you know, <laughs> being with our wives and girlfriends. <laughs> and, 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 and what friends. jerks at the, the Jaguars
0: at are. The time,
2: at the time, I think it brought tears to my eyes. I was so fired up. But <laughs> in hindsight, we we sit around and laugh about it because it, uh, it was pretty funny.
1: So it worked for you.
2: It did work. It did work. We came back and won that game. There you go. You played great. And I, me personally, I was definitely fired
1: up. So that, that's similar to uh, the program. That scene, the program, where the guy, the linebacker, screaming across the line of scrimmage to the other running back or quarterback, and, and, and said, you're the
0: one that tried to – my sister. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. One of my favorite movies growing up.
0: Uh, so I guess I'll be the one that transitions to the serious stuff, Barry. I, I don't know um, – what you thought about Colin Kaepernick going into the weekend, but this weekend we've got Jerry Jones saying that Luke McCown at 36 uh, is a better developmental quarterback than Colin would have been in Dallas, uh, and Steve Bashotti is polling Raven fans about what they should do with Kaepernick. Um, what, what's going on in the NFL? Why, why can't this guy find a job?
2: Uh, you make a good point. It definitely seems like guys are grasping for any a reason, any kind of logic, I have to say why they won't find him. Um, I guess we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, what kind of demands he's making. I don't know if he wants to be a, a, a minimum salary type backup quarterback guy, and obviously a backup quarterback salary is not a little bit higher than the, than the traditional league minimum. But who knows what he's what he's looking for? Um, yeah, I just hear a lot of fans kind of crying out about about what he did, and although I, I understand where they're coming from, and I'm certainly a person that respects the flag and respects the the military and all those things. It's, almost like we're losing sight on why he was doing that. You know, is it a bigger atrocity that, that that young man took a knee during National Anthem or why he was doing it? Because people were being killed in the streets and, you know, people didn't feel safe when they got pulled over, so they didn't know what was going to happen. It, w- it was it, There's really some really serious things going on, and I think he was just trying to take a stand to, to bring some attention to that. I think he's already suffered as a result of that, and I think he's, by coming out saying that he wouldn't do it again, I think he's learned something. So I absolutely uh, believe he deserves a job. I think he can help a team win, especially when you have a pocket-passing type quarterback and you bring a guy like that off the bench. I'm just telling you, as a defensive player, especially a defensive lineman, that kind of changes your whole mindset, really catches you off guard. So I think you can absolutely be a weapon off somebody's bench as a as a mobile quarterback.
1: Barry Cofield, 10-year NFL veteran, New York Giants, hated Washington Redskins. That's, I say that as a Dallas <laughs> lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan, and, and Barry, he's definitely been vilified. Uh, speak to, if you would, how difficult it is being uh, in a position as a professional athlete, and, and I, I get so tired of hearing people saying you, 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 it's a privilege to play when they never say it's a privilege to do any other job, only if you're a professional athlete, but you bust your ass to become a professional athlete. It's not handed to you. It's not granted to you. It's not a right. You have to work uh, to earn that, that roster spot. But how difficult a situation it is for uh, a, a guy in that position to say, yeah, I want to speak my mind and it maybe come off as a distraction, but I also need to maintain my employment. Uh, how difficult a decision is that for you?
2: I think it's incredibly difficult because I, I know for a fact that behind closed doors there are a lot of guys that were supporting him. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of guys that absolutely understood where he was coming from across all sports that, that really supported, And I think you did see some support come out, but there's a whole other level to, to drop that knee in that anthem and, you know, have yourself on on SportsCenter as one of the people who was who also taking a knee. So I, I think you can see how difficult it was just by the lack of people that, that joined him in doing that. Um, you're right. Uh, it is kind of funny how people, when athletes want to change teams, it's like a sin. You know, whenever you do anything, it's almost like you just – you're, you're you're not treated like someone who's going from from Coke to Pepsi. Right. That's not, a, mm-hmm. not an issue. Or if someone from Coke, you know, makes a stand or, or tweets something, it's not all. Oh, it's your privilege to work at Coke. So mm-hmm. I uh, I completely get where you're where you're coming from on that end. So it, it's always a, a really great balance. It is absolutely a a blessing to be a pro athlete, and it's something that you have to work incredibly hard for. So for someone like that, to I'm think I believe he's smart enough to know that what he was risking by doing that. So it's a, it took an amazing stand. Maybe it wasn't the perfect way to go about it. Uh, I think he's, like I said earlier, he suffered as a result of it. And I think it's time for him to, to get back out there and continue to do good, but just do it in a different way.
0: Barry, how much did you hate training camp? Oh
2: man, it's it's pretty awful. It's
0: pretty <laughs> awful. It's like,
2: pretty <laughs> awful. <laughs> sugarcoat it for you. Now the the rule changes that they made, where you're not doing two days, and you're not out there banging all the time. That makes it a lot more palatable. Um, Early in my career, it was definitely a little bit rougher. And even going back to college where we were two a day, two a day, two a day, almost every day, it was really, really challenging. So they made rules to make it a little easier. Uh, Guys are bigger, faster, stronger than ever. So any day of hitting, you're going to feel it for a couple days. But the fans make it a little bit better. I would say that. Having those fans out there watching and cheering, you go out there like you're putting on a show. It's not like it's, it's just a typical practice. And you, you realize that there is a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You can, you can see that finish line. So it's something that um, I'm sure a lot of guys would, would, would kill for that opportunity to be in a training camp to get a chance to showcase their talent. So you always reason it out that way.
0: And, and I know you can't, you can't ever relax because that's when somebody behind you can catch you. But is it at least a little less awful when you know your spot's secure and you're not necessarily fighting to, to stay on the roster?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm a guy who, you know, as a fourth-round pick, if you're just really bad, they can get rid of you. But, I, you know, honestly, I didn't really feel like there was a chance that I would probably not make the team early in my in my first camp. And obviously, I ended up starting. So, I, I wasn't really in that position where I was fighting for that roster bubble. But definitely that bubble spot. But definitely talking to guys, just the the range of emotions they go through, the stress they go through. You know, if you, if you roll an ankle as a vet with a starting spot, you realize you can sit out two days and get back out there, but for that guy that's down on that depth chart, they'll they'll look to replace you right away. They just need someone to practice that next day.
1: Bring in the needle. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it takes. Whatever Whatever it takes. On that that field, you can't make the club. (laughs) There um, it is. Absolutely. The older you get, the more established you get. and When when you're a starter, and you're really just working to fine-tune your craft as opposed to, to feed your family is a completely different mindset, uh,
1: Barry. I've been getting uh, ridiculed as is. Accust- I'm accustomed to being ridiculed on this show. Uh
0: No respect whatsoever. Uh well, About maybe, maybe if you had 19 and a half career sacks instead of oh one, shut up,
1: we'd respect you, my fella.
0: <laughs> they think those sacks
1: are easy to come by, Barry. I mean, come on. Absolutely not. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> And 19 then they and a half
2: they in ten years and you guys get nineteen and a half in one year. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, they, they change the rules. They make it harder, and more difficult. And, and come on, you think and I was an eighth round pick.
0: Shut up. <laughs> I'm proud of my one sack. You, you just you... think you'd stumble into a second one at some point while you're out there? No. Well, maybe a quarterback runs out of bounds while you're chasing him. Well, hold on. What'd you say, Barry?
2: So that's one more sack than billions of other people.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: And I, they never bring up the fact that I'm tied for an NFL record which is uh, a, a fumble recovery for a touchdown. I'm tied with a whole bunch of people, but I'm still tied for the end of what, a what the
0: longest one? No. Just having R- returning one.
1: Returning a fumble for a touchdown. No one's returned more than one in a particular game. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's tons of us, but I'm in that number. But you guys never seem to bring that up, so to hell with right. you. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my point is I'm being ridiculed. Because I shared some information about the New York Jets and how optimistic the coaching staff is with this roster. And everyone's like, well, you look at the roster, there's really no sexy names on there. You know, Brandon Marshall, he's now gone. He's with the Giants. And they've gotten rid of this receiver. And and they've got offensive linemen retiring who've been there for a long, long time. And so my point is this. Have you been on a team, and you, you won a Super Bowl, so you were on a team with, with some, some great players here and there, but have you been on a team throughout your career where you may not have all the luxurious names on there, but it was a more cohesive unit and a team that worked better together, and and, and you were went out and, and you did some mighty good work?
2: Oh, man, I would, probably the best example of that was probably maybe Robert. Griffin the third, his mm-hmm. rookie year, mm-hmm. kind of caught some people off surprise, uh, you know, by surprise off guard. Obviously, he was a big name, but we didn't have a ton of other big names on that team, and we ended up winning the division that year. And if Robert wasn't hurt, we feel like we could have made a little bit of a, a further run into the playoffs. So I would say that's uh, probably a, the best example of that. Just a collection of guys where you have young guys that are hungry and talented, and you have vets like myself. I was a co-captain. London Fletcher guys like that that can help uh, help steer the ship, I think that's probably the best example. In New York, we had a lot of talent. Yeah, We had a lot of talent, big names, and we were successful. So I'm, I'm not here to, to ridicule you like everybody else, but that Jets roster, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> other than that defensive front that I really like a lot... Man, it's, it's really, what? I'm really gonna have to step it up. Let me just say that.
1: <laughs> all right, well, I'm not. I'm not saying I was optimistic. I was just reporting what I heard. <laughs> I report, you decide. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. all I was doing. But now it's like I'm. Everyone is uh, hitched me to the wagon of the Jets,
2: and
1: that's not what I was trying to do. Okay. You no,
2: know, I, I honestly do believe that those coaches believe that. Right. I've actually been on teams that, in my first year in Washington, where we weren't very good. Uh, we, uh, Coach Shanahan was really building the roster. Like I said, in year two, we were able to win the division. But when you're in that in camp, you really feel like you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like everybody's drinking the same Kool Aid. If you have if you have any decent coaching, you really do believe that you can be successful. You're practicing against each other every day, and everyone's still an NFL player, so the practices are still intense. Right. And you really do feel even in preseason, you're not getting the best shot from the other teams. You really do feel like you, you have a puncher's chance. But that uh that reality can set in really fast <laughs> in the regular season when, when you start playing these other teams and seeing what's going on. Yeah. You can you can get shocked back in the reality really fast. But I honestly do believe that Jets coaches that they probably are getting great work, not a bunch of big names, so guys are out there really working hard and playing fast and trying to prove themselves and I believe that they uh they they they, they believe what they're saying.
0: I guess along those lines, when you read that Blake Bortles is throwing picks and Mitchell Trubisky can't take a snap in Chicago, (laughs) how much does that scare the defense? Like, oh, man, that guy might actually have to play for us at some point during the season.
2: When it's the quarterback, it can be scary. Uh, I will say that. I will say that. Um, I was spoiled in New York with Eli uh, bringing his lunch pail every single day. So when I got to Washington, I think we played three or four quarterbacks that year before Robert came in. Uh, You could really – at times, it was scary to see some of the balls that were that were going up in the air. So, uh, especially when it's a young guy and like a Trubisky, you have hope that he can he can get better, he can figure it out. Because uh, you know, as a rookie, that jump to your second year can be a huge can be a huge jump. So it could it could be a rough year, but I think that those guys understand that he's got a ways to go, but they see his talent. And you hear the same thing going on in, in Jacksonville with Bortles, a guy who you expect to kind of be really uh, ready to peak as opposed to really struggling and turning the ball over. That's a little bit more concerning, especially for a team with a defense like theirs that, that added the pieces that they did, who I think is going to be a really, really good defense. Uh, they got the running game I'm trying to shore it up with, with Fournette and some, some additions on the offensive line, and bringing in my old coach, Tom Coughlin. I think that was one of the more underrated acquisitions of the off season, them adding him to their, to their front office. I expect them to be very much improved, and I feel like Boros has the weapons. So I really want to see him take that next step and they can contend for that division.
0: Go back to bed, man. Yeah, great stuff, Bear. We appreciate it. Come back again <laughs> soon, okay?
2: Thank you guys for having me. You guys take care. It's All our right,
0: pleasure. Barry. There's Barry Cofield, 10 year NFL vet, developing friend of the show.